their godly leadership, their kindness towards us, knowing that the holiday season, I knew that, you know, some years it's kind of hit and miss when the holidays come around for an evangelist. But I told the Lord, I really would like to, to minister somewhere, minister at a church that believes that God can still work during the holidays. And uh, we know Santa's busy, but I need somebody to believe that our Savior is still busy during this time of the year. And so my dear and precious wife, she said, Brother Sabochi, he'll have us. He's kind, and I'm so thankful that he was willing to have us earlier this year, uh, last month, at General Conference there in Orlando, Florida. There's always the business meeting that happens after the first service, the first day of business. Ministers come from all over the United States and Canada, and people come from all over the world, and we conduct the business of the United Pentecostal Church. And whenever I step into a business meeting, I am always at awe and reverence of the ministry. I don't never want to take the ministry for granted. And um, I just remember where I came from, just a little kid uh, from a rough neighborhood in Memphis, Tennessee. And so when I step among the ministry of the United Pentecostal Church, I'm always just profoundly grateful to be a part. But when I was sitting there looking for a seat, uh, I was really exhausted being there. We had just preached two revivals, and we had come up here to be a part of uh, CTK of O'Fallon's um, centennial celebration, also give honor to this church and your centennial celebration, 100 years here in Belleville. But we were just exhausted with revival and driven all the way down to Orlando. And uh, to be honest with you, I really didn't want to be at the business meeting. I wanted to be back sleeping. And matter of fact, I eventually uh, went back to the hotel to get some rest. Uh, but whenever I was there waiting to find a seat, and they called the remaining ministers that needed to be in a certain slot to be able to vote. And um, I made my way, and I thought, where in the world am I going to sit? I don't know half. I, don't, I, don't, I know I've preached around the country, but there's just so many I don't know. And I saw Brother Sabochi and Sister Melissa Frost, amen, sitting there. And I thought, you know what? There's a safe place I can sit. If I get to talking crazy, they know me. They know I'm not backslidden. And uh, I was just so grateful that they were kind to allow me to sit there. And, and I just appreciate your pastor and his wife. How many are thankful for the leadership that you have here at this church? Can you clap your hands and thank the Lord? Amen. And to all the wonderful leadership, all the wonderful ministers of this church, we love and give you honor. And we thank the Lord for you, how you serve alongside your pastor. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I want to direct your attention to the first Samuel chapter seven. First Samuel chapter seven, verses one through five, and then picking up at verses eleven and twelve. I know that this is the Sunday after Thanksgiving. It's still Black Friday weekend. And uh, so I don't want to take too long. You might want to eat some leftovers or try to catch a deal. And so we're just going to do our part and get out of the way and allow God to have his way. Is that okay here today? Amen. Amen. I believe that the Lord does want to do something great in this place. And to those that are watching online, the Lord can still work in your living room. Amen. Wherever you may be watching this, we appreciate those that are here today. And we also understand those that are sick. Amen. It is the season for the flu. And so we are praying for each and every last one of you. Amen. First Samuel chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. If you have it, can you shout, I've got it. If you can see it on the screen, can you shout, I can see. 
And the men of Kerjeth Jerim came and fetch, fetched up the ark of the Lord and brought it into the house of Abinadab in the hill and sanctified Eliezer his son to keep the ark of the Lord. And it came to pass, while the ark abode in Kerjeth Jerim, that the time was long, for it was 20 years. Can somebody say 20 years? It was 20 years, and all the house of Israel lamented or longed after the Lord. And Samuel spake unto all the house of Israel, saying, If you do return unto the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the strange gods and Ashtoreth from among you, and prepare your hearts unto the Lord, and serve him only. And he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. Then the children of Israel did put away Balaam and Ashtoreth and serve the Lord only. And Samuel said, Gather all Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray for you unto the Lord. Verses 11 and 12, And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines to smote them until they came under Bethkar. Then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shin and called the name of it Ebenezer, saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. The Bible tells us in verse 12 that Samuel took a stone, set it between Mizpah and Shin, and he called the name of it Ebenezer. Can somebody say Ebenezer? saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. Just for a few moments here this morning, if you allow me to, I want to speak to you on this subject. Tis the season, Ebenezer. Tis the season, Ebenezer. One more time, can you place your Bibles down? Can you lift up your voice? Can you lift up your hands? And can somebody ask the Lord to continue to have his way the remainder of this service? Jesus, we praise you. We magnify you, Lord. We glorify you, Jesus. You are worthy to be praised. We're asking for your anointing to flow in the remainder of this service. Anoint this message. Anoint the messenger. Anoint this congregation to hear your word, to receive your word, and to respond to your word. And we'll not fail to give the praise, the honor, the glory in Jesus' name. Before you are seated, why don't you turn to somebody, if you feel it's appropriate, why don't you shake their hands and let them know how glad you are to see them in the house of the Lord, especially our guests. Please let our guests know how glad we are to see them here this morning. God bless you. you may be seated. Amen. We just finished celebrating Thanksgiving. Hopefully everyone had a good Thanksgiving. Even if the turkey didn't turn out right, hopefully everyone was able to be fit, well fed. Hopefully you were stuffed and fed up. And um, you had a good time. Everybody have a good Thanksgiving? Amen. Amen. It's good to hear that. You know, Thanksgiving still remains my favorite holiday. I just love Thanksgiving, even though it's been usurped by Black Friday, Black Friday weekend. And uh, it's like we don't even think about Thanksgiving anymore. We just think about deals, deals, and more deals. But I love Thanksgiving because Thanksgiving Day remains a very important holiday for our country. I read an article yesterday in the Wall Street Journal weekend edition entitled, Thanksgiving was born from America's struggles. Thanksgiving was born from America's struggles. It was written by Rabbi Mir Soloveitchik. As his title suggests, he writes, 
about how Thanksgiving as a holiday devoted to gratitude emerged from periods of division and challenge in U.S. history, from the Pilgrims to the Civil War. We've all been taught about the Thanksgiving holiday tradition, how the Pilgrims and Natives ate corn and gave thanks to God for his mercy as well as for the harvest. But in this Wall Street Journal article, it records and recalls how our first president, George Washington, established a national day of Thanksgiving, asking Americans to give gratitude to God for the civil and religious liberty with which we are blessed. How many of you would agree that we are blessed here in America with both civil and religious liberty? Aren't you thankful to be able to come into the house of the Lord without any fear? Amen. We are blessed in this country. However, that was only for November the 26th, 1789, when President Washington had called the nation to give thanks. It wasn't until the Civil War that Thanksgiving Day came to be the holiday as we know it today, mainly as a result of the efforts of a writer by the name of Sarah Josepha Hale. She's known as the children's poetry writer who wrote the poem, Mary Had a Little Lamb. Everybody knows that poem, that song, Mary Had a Little Lamb. Sarah Josepha Hale was the one who wrote that poem. She also petitioned our nation's greatest president, Abraham Lincoln. I think it's okay that I can call him the greatest president here in the land of Lincoln. Is that all right here today? Our nation's greatest president, Abraham Lincoln, who established Thanksgiving as a holiday to be observed the last Thursday of November. President Lincoln made this declaration in 1863 during the very midst of a bitter civil war. Think about that, ladies and gentlemen. In our country, in great division, not much different than what it is now. It was great division during that time, but yet whenever President Lincoln read a letter from Sarah Josepha Hale, he was touched and moved, even though there were so many loss of lives, yet he recognized the fact that right here in America, amen, outside of the battlefield, that there was still an increase in the population. Commerce was still running, amen, America was still prospering even during the time of civil war. And so he declared that the last Thursday of November would be a day of thanksgiving. In this article, Rabbi Soloveitchik concluded, and I quote, despite political divisions, we can give thanks for living in the oldest continuous democracy in the world. Two years after a pandemic, we can give thanks for the chance to gather together with family no matter how much we may disagree. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know about you, but I am thankful to be living in the United States of America. I wonder, can one more time, can we clap our hands and give thanks unto God for the privilege of living in this country? Thank you for indulging me for a few moments. As you can tell, I love Thanksgiving. And not just because of the food and not just because of pumpkin pie, hallelujah. I just love Thanksgiving, but as my title suggests, I'm not here to preach about the virtues of Thanksgiving. And besides, it's Christmas time. Turn somebody and tell them it's Christmas time, which is my family's 
favorite holiday of the year. It's the most wonderful time. My daughter reminded me this morning, it's Christmas time. It's the most wonderful time of the year when Christmas music is played nonstop. Amen. We had it on KEZK when we were driving across the river coming here just listening to Christmas music. Not only is Christmas music played on a loop, but Christmas classics are too. I don't know about you, but I love the Christmas classics. Matter of fact, one of my favorite Christmas classics is Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. And particularly, I like the movie in which where George C. Scott plays Ebenezer Scrooge. Maybe I like that particular classic because I'm mainly a Scrooge until Thanksgiving. You know, my, my, my family, they can listen to Christmas music all year long. And I'm like, please, please have mercy. Please have mercy on your dad. But I, 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 I love this particular Christmas carol. I love this particular classic. And uh, one of the reasons why I love it is because of Tiny Tim, the afflicted yet cheerful child of Bob Cratchit. Tiny Tim seems to be everybody's favorite. How can you not like Tiny Tim? Especially when he says, and God bless us, everyone. I just, I just love it. I love it. And, uh, but, you know, the storyline is mostly about how Scrooge had a change of heart. Ebenezer Scrooge is a very stingy old businessman who is visited by his old business partner, Jacob Marley. Matter of fact, there is a scene where after spooking Mr. Scrooge, Jacob Marley states the reason why he came to pay Scrooge a visit. He says, I have come for your sake. Ebenezer, after having experienced Christmas past, present, and future, as well as realizing his own fate, Ebenezer Scrooge, while on his knees, repents, so to speak, and promises to change his ways upon realizing that he has been given another chance to amend his ways. He says, I'm alive. I will keep my promise. Heaven and Christmas time be praised. I say this on my knees, Jacob Marley, on my knees. And he did change and keep his promise as the story goes. Instead of his name being spoken in scorn and with disdain, he came to, it came to be synonymous with charity and change, with charitable change. Ebenezer Scrooge became a changed man, and he made sure that during Christmas time and all throughout the year that he was charitable. Here in the passage of scripture that we read, Israel found themselves with the Ark of the Covenant back in their possession again. It had been taken away by the hands of the Philistines for seven months after being confiscated in battle. But when the Lord smote them with tumors, the Bible says that they returned it to Israel. However, some of the Israeli people decided to disobey God's instructions when he forbade them or anyone from looking inside of the ark. And after they looked inside, there are some that began to die. Amen. The Bible tells us that when they trespassed God's holiness, that he smote them. Out of fear, they left the ark in the hands of those who lived about 10 miles from them, who lived a little bit closer to Jerusalem. That's where we pick up the scene here in 1 Samuel chapter 7, the Bible tells us uh, that the men of Kerjeth-Jerim had came and fetched up the ark of the Lord. And they brought it into the house of Abinadab in the hill and sanctified Eliezer, his son, to keep the ark of 
the Lord because those who have first retrieved the ark from the Philistines because of their trespass, because they messed around with the holiness of God and found out that God does not play. Yes, he is a loving God, but he is also a holy God. And when they realized that they had went against the word of God, they left the ark there, but the men of Kirchjurim kept the ark. And the Bible says it was during that time that after 20 years of the ark resting there, that Israel began to long for the ark to return into their heartland instead of resting in the valley. Amen. They were tired of that ark resting in the valley. They wanted to be, amen, in the very center of their country. And that's when the old prophet Samuel shows up and calls the people of God to repentance. Israel have become engaged, entertained, and entangled with idolatry. They have substituted for worshiping the one true living God with their idols. And so before the ark could return, amen, to their heartland, before the ark which represents God's presence and his favor and his blessings could return to them, they had to return to the Lord. Samuel admonishes them three things. He tells them, if you return to the Lord with all of your hearts, then put away the foreign gods and the asterisks from among you and prepare your hearts for the Lord and serve him only and he will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines if you will put away the idols, if you will prepare your hearts, if you will serve the Lord, he will give you victory. Ladies and gentlemen, they were still subservient to the Philistines, even though the ark had come back into the valley, even though the ark was on the border of Israel and Philistia. Amen. Yet they were still in bondage to the Philistines. The Philistines still, amen, had control of much of their land. But ladies and gentlemen, the Bible tells us, amen, that whenever Samuel arrived, he came with a word from God that if you will return to the Lord, the Lord will return some things to you. If you will return to the Lord, the Lord will give you victory. Can I just stop right here and tell somebody for a few moments, uh, somebody who may be watching online, somebody who is here in this place, uh, if you want the Lord to give you victory and liberty, amen, you've got to return to the Lord. Amen. They wanted victory. They wanted liberty as well as the ark returned, but they had to repent and turn away from all sin and substitutes that would take away their sincere devotion and obedience from the Lord. The good news is, is that they did. The Bible says that they got rid of Balaam. That got, they got rid of their trinkets. They got rid of the things that they had, amen, put in place, put in, amen, position that they had somehow prioritized over God. They got rid of anything that would hinder or impede their relationship with the Lord. And the Bible says that they began to pour out, amen, an offering to the Lord. They began to fast. They began to cry out unto God for his mercy. And I'm so glad to know that we serve a merciful God. We serve a God who is a covenant-keeping God, that if we will return to him, he will, amen, he's never left us, praise God. But when we turn back to him, he will have mercy upon us. Can somebody clap your hands if you're you're thankful for the goodness and mercy of Almighty God. 
Amen. I'm trying to preach past this turkey and dressing and this pumpkin pie, but I just come to tell somebody here today one of the greatest gifts uh, that God has ever given to humanity, one of the greatest gifts that God has ever given to us uh, is the gift uh, of repentance, uh, the opportunity to repent, uh, the opportunity to return uh, and to, amen, return unto the Lord. Uh, it is a gift from Almighty God. The Bible says, uh, amen, that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. Uh, every good thing that is in your life. Every good thing that you've experienced up to this point is because of a loving God. It's because of a merciful Father. The Bible says every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights of whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Can I tell somebody that whenever the Lord allows something good to happen in your life, it's because he is trying to draw you closer to him. It's because he wants you to be in a relationship with him. The Bible says it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. Amen. There are some people who don't want to hear about repentance. Uh, matter of fact, amen, there are those in the Christian community that do not want to call people to repentance, but I want you to know that that is one of the greatest blessings uh, that you can ever receive uh, is for you to be called to a place uh, to where you can commit your life to God. I was reading a book just yesterday of, of, of a particular uh, um, national figure here in this country. He was talking about how he was just involved in religion because of his mom and his dad. He was just a part of a Christian religion just because of family ties. But whenever he was in college, he had a friend that had a genuine relationship with the Lord and it impacted him. And, and, and he looked at that friend one day and said, I want what you have. And his friend invited him to a, a camp meeting, an outdoor service in Kentucky, and it was there that that particular national figure now went, amen, down to an altar and gave his life to God. He experienced a life transformation. He did not, he was not born again of the water and of the spirit like the Bible teaches, like we teach here, amen, but yet he had a genuine conversion experience. He turned from just mere Christianity, just mere religion, and had a life-changing experience through repentance. Uh, something happens, uh, at the altar of repentance. Something happens uh, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ and the work that he did on the cross. Uh, amen. The work, amen, that he did by giving his innocent, sinless life. Uh, when he died and was buried and came alive again, something happens. Uh, when you put your faith in him and who he is as the son of God uh, and you turn from your lifestyle of sin, uh, you turn from your past wrongdoings and you turn back to God, something happens. Uh, when you walk down to an altar and you say, Lord, I give my life to you, there is something that happens happens oh praise God I went on to read this national figure story he was talking about a pastor in Jacksonville Florida who at a young age, him and his wife were just newlyweds, and they were they were asked to 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 do uh, um, to to be involved in this ministry in Kentucky, and and to do this outdoor uh, affect your marriage is too much for you. But they were willing to do it, and they never forget recalling one particular year when they had this outdoor camp meeting, and they had this service, and there was a light drizzle, and and they really filled, and anything happened. There were just a few people that came down to the altar that day, and they 
left disappointed. They continued on in ministry years passed by, decades passed by. But it was that national figure, amen, telling his story, amen, telling how he had a conversion from just mere traditional Christianity to a religion, uh, to an experience that leads you closer into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And as he was sharing his story, amen, that pastor in Jacksonville realized uh, that that was their event, uh, that they were that young couple who had put that event on. Uh, they didn't think anything happened, but lo and behold, here was a national figure, amen, that had come uh, to an experience with Jesus Christ uh, when they thought nothing else happened. Can I tell somebody here today, amen, can I remind apostolic church, let's not ever take for granted when somebody st steps through the doors of this church, uh, when somebody walks in and sits on these pews uh, and they hear the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, and they make a decision to come down to this altar and ask God to forgive them. Now, we believe that it doesn't just stop at the altar. We believe that there is more than just repentance. Uh, amen. There's more than just having your sins pardoned. Uh, but, amen, you can have your sins washed away uh, when you're baptized in the only saving name of Jesus Christ. Uh, we understand that there is more than just repentance. Uh, and we understand there's more than just water baptism. Uh, but you can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit uh, with the evidence of speaking in tongues uh, as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. Amen, ladies and gentlemen, we believe that you must be born again, but we, amen, explain it like Jesus said, and we believe that you must be born again of the water and of the Spirit. If you believe that, can you clap your hands and can somebody shout amen? Matter of fact, if you are here today and you've not yet received the wonderful gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues, God can do it for you today. I know it's the Sunday after Thanksgiving. I know it's holiday time, but I come to tell somebody that God can fill you with this spirit if you believe are there any believers in the house today are there any believers in the house today can somebody stand to your feet can somebody put your hands together and can you glorify the wonderful name of Jesus right now turn somebody tell them the promise is unto you turn somebody else and tell them the promise is for you God bless you. you. May be seated. We believe, amen, that you can have your sins washed away when you're baptized in Jesus' name. We believe, uh, amen, that you can receive the wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit. But may we never take for granted when somebody comes to repentance. Uh, the Bible says, amen, that the angels rejoice over one, amen, that comes to repentance. Uh, amen. Our Heavenly Father smiles uh, when one person comes to repentance because that's where it starts. Uh, amen. That's not where it ends, uh, but that's never, that, but that is where it starts. I believe that we can just rejoice uh, when somebody comes to repentance there is no telling uh, how many more we will see filled with the wonderful gift of the Holy Ghost uh, if you believe that can somebody shout hallelujah Amen. The Bible tells us uh, that because God is good because he is a loving God his mercies are new every morning I don't know about you but I'm thankful for the mercies of God being new every morning Amen. You're looking at a very flawed individual. I'm not some perfect preacher, but I'm thankful, amen, that every morning I can get up and I can go to a heavenly father who loves me. Amen. A heavenly father who knows all about me. A heavenly father who is holy, who doesn't play any games. But yet, amen, because he loves me, I can still get on my knees. I can say, Lord, forgive me. His mercies are new every morning. Can somebody lift up your hands uh, if you're thankful for the goodness and mercy of God, if you're thankful for a second chance. Uh, come on, can somebody lift up your voice and thank God for an opportunity to repent. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen. It's when Israel got rid of their idols that Samuel called them to a place called 
Mizpah, which was about seven miles north of Jerusalem. He told them that he would pay, that he would pray for them and intercede on their behalf. The Bible says that the children of Israel said to Samuel, do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. Let me just stop right here and tell somebody you ought to thank God for a praying pastor, praying pastor's wife who intercedes on your behalf. I mean, I, I, I'm thankful for those who have the ministry of intercession. I mean, I'm thankful for those that are called to that ministry. But can I tell somebody, you ought to thank God that you have a praying pastor and a praying pastor's wife who intercedes on your behalf. Amen. The people of Israel understood uh, that they had an enemy who would come against them. Uh, but yet, amen, they had a man of God who knew how to contact God, who, who knew how to get a hold of God. Uh, matter of fact, the Bible tells us that one of the later prophets uh, in his writing, the Lord spoke to him and said, if, even if Moses and Samuel were to stand before me, I would not hear them. In other words, amen, Moses uh, was considered to be an intercessor. And Samuel, out of all the people that God mentioned, he didn't mention Elijah. Amen. He didn't mention David. He mentioned Moses and he mentioned Samuel because those two individual individuals knew how to intercede. They know how to, amen, they knew how to get in the gap. They knew how to call on God for his people. Ladies and gentlemen, you ought to thank God for a spiritual man and woman of God that know how to get on their knees and fight for you. There are times when your pastor stays up late, amen, throughout the night into the early mornings calling on God for you. He didn't tell me to say this, amen. She didn't tell me to say this, but I come to tell somebody that they see further than you see they fight devils that you don't fight amen uh, there's some devils that try to get to you because of your flesh uh, and because of you opening up the door to allow some things but ladies and gentlemen amen that man of God is able to say Lord uh, even in their mistakes don't let that spirit come up in their home uh, don't let the enemy amen destroy their marriage don't let the enemy destroy their family don't let the enemy destroy their kids you ought to thank God for a praying pastor does anybody amen does anybody love your pastor and your pastor's wife can you clap your hands uh, and can you let both them in heaven know how grateful you are. Praise God. The Bible tells us uh, that when the Philistines heard that Israel was gathered at Mizpah, that they came up to fight. Can I tell somebody here today that just because you repent and make a commitment to serve the Lord does not mean that the enemy is going to leave you alone. I wish I could tell somebody here today that when you walk down to an altar, amen, and turn to God in repentance, uh, when you confess your faults to him, uh, when you ask him to forgive you, when you make that commitment to serve the Lord, I would like to tell you uh, that the devil will step back, uh, amen, that everything would just be smooth sailing from here to heaven. Uh, but that's not the case, uh, amen. Matter of fact, whenever, amen, you make a commitment to God, uh, the enemy is going to notice your commitment, and then he's going to challenge you to see uh, if you have truly changed. The Bible tells us that whenever they were gathered to Mizpah, amen, that the Philistines came up to battle. They came up to fight, uh, amen. Can I tell somebody that prayer does not remove all battles or fears? I said prayer does not remove all battles or fear. When Israel heard their enemies marching towards them, the Bible says that they became afraid. But when Samuel offered up a little lamb, a sacrifice unto the Lord, 
the Bible says that when they heard the Philistines marching and the people of God began to cry out that instead of Samuel panicking, the Bible says, amen, that he began to intercede and then he took a little nursing lamb, just a little lamb. And the Bible says that he offered that lamb up as a sacrifice. And while he was offering up that lamb, the Bible says that God heard their cry and he thundered from heaven. He brought confusion on the enemy and they began to defeat themselves. God thundered from heaven and he defeated the enemies of Israel whenever a lamb was offered. Can I tell somebody here today that the victory is still in a little lamb? I said there is still victory in the lamb. Amen. The apostle Paul said, thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The apostle John wrote that we overcome by the blood of the lamb. Can I tell somebody that because Jesus Christ went to the cross, that because he gave his life, we can have victory over our enemy. I come to tell somebody it does not matter what condemnation has been coming against you. It does not matter what the enemy has been lying on you. I come to tell somebody that because of what Jesus Christ did, I don't care what your mistakes are. I don't care what your sins are. I don't care what your past is. Jesus Christ has won the victory. And because he won the victory, you can be victorious. Okay, somebody clap your hands. And can somebody give praise to his wonderful name? Can somebody give praise to the Lamb of God? His sabbath of the Lord gave Israel a great victory that Samuel commemorates what the Lord did. The Bible says that he set up a stone as a monumental memorial in between Mizpah and Shin. And he calls it by the name Ebenezer, which means hitherto hath the Lord helped us. The Lord has helped us to this point. Thus far, the Lord has helped us. Amen. The monument was a reminder of the God-given victory that they had received that day and how the Lord had helped them along the way because they had made a turnaround. God gave them a turnaround of events and changed their outcome. The Lord even restored their land that had been under the control of the Philistines, and they even made peace with the Amorites. In other words, they had victory over their enemies from without and within. Can I remind us here this morning that Ebenezer came to be a reminder that when you turn to God, he will give you a turnaround. When you repent, the Lord can restore and give you victory. He can give you victory from without and within. Can I just tell somebody here today that the Lord wants to give you an Ebenezer experience. He wants to give you victory He wants to defeat your enemies. He wants to give you victory from your past and your past failures, from addiction and condemnation. Can I tell somebody simply, Jesus wants to give you victory. I know that that's not profound. I know that's not, amen, great oratory, but I come and let somebody know that it can happen. The greatest miracle is a miracle of a changed life. The greatest miracle is a miracle of salvation. When the Lord saves somebody, I'll never forget Amen. Whenever I first started in ministry, amen, Sister Ann, I give you honor. You brought me my first suit when I was here in Bible school. Amen. I used to have these electric blue pants, and y'all have heard me share this story before. And then when I married my wife, she said, no longer those electric blue pants. I know you come from Memphis. 
You come from Memphis, but you can't wear those pants. Amen. Through Brother Lee Jackson, amen. Sister Ann came and taught at Gateway, and uh, thank God for Sister Ann. But I, I never forget whenever I f- first entered the ministry, I was at Tennessee State University, and the Lord saved my roommate. He was going to commit suicide, but uh, I, didn't, I didn't even know anything. I wasn't where I needed to be at in God, but, but the Lord delivered my roommate, and he was baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost in our dorm room, and now he's a licensed minister Amen. With the United Pentecostal Church in the Wisconsin District. Amen. And I just thank the Lord for what he did. We have revival on our college campus. The first time I ever preached was not behind the pulpit. was right there in my dorm room where people were filled, were filled with the Holy Ghost in our dorm room. And people came all across. Amen. Stood outside the room. And I began to preach. Amen. About the name of Jesus. <laughs> I had an experience in God that day that I have not experienced since. Amen. But ladies and gentlemen, all I was doing was just trying to make disciples, win souls. I wasn't seeking to be used in the gifts of the Spirit. But things began to happen. Amen. There was a friend of mine who had come from Wisconsin like my roommate. She was an apostolic, but she had not received the Holy Ghost because of something tragic that happened in her life through a family member that took advantage of her. She could not forgive that family member. And I began to try to witness to her throughout the college year. But I'll never forget while we were sitting one particular time in the library, amen, Brother Back, while we were sitting there, all of a sudden, amen, I looked at my friend, and I, she had another friend with her who was from Memphis. And while we were sitting there, amen, I heard a voice that said to me, she's pregnant. And I looked around, and I said, who is that that spoke to me? And I looked at her, and I heard that voice say, she's pregnant. And I looked at my friend, and I said, are you pregnant? And she said, no, I'm not pregnant. And her friend from Memphis said, girl, you know you lying. You know you lying. You know you pregnant. And she said, forgive me, Ethan. I said, no. No, the Lord just wanted me to let you know he loves you. Things began to happen in my life at, Bible, uh, at, at Tennessee State. Then I came to Bible school. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, I was, I was praying, Brother Back, please don't say anything. Because whenever something is said, something bad happens to me. Amen. So I'm saying, Lord, I'm not a prophet, neither son of a prophet. Sister Melissa, don't rebuke me. Amen. But... <laughs> Amen. Y'all just don't know. Praise God. People want to be used of God in certain areas until you have to carry the cross. Praise God. Your father was a great evangelist, and he died far too short. But there's a cross. But here you are, your brother's ministering in Missouri. Amen. People don't know the price that there comes, amen, with being used of God. Amen. I'm saying all that to say this. Amen. I had a desire to be used of God. Amen. The things with, the Lord would share things with me, reveal things to me in Bible schools. St- teachers would come to me and say, Ethan, has the Lord shown you anything? Amen. But then when I found that I needed some mercy myself, <laughs> I wasn't trying to expose anybody, get anybody in trouble. I was always careful. Amen. I was always careful because I respect the ministry. And the gifts of calling and God's are still without repentance. That anointing is still on you no matter your past. Amen. But I'll never forget, praise God. Amen. Whenever I was just starting off evangelizing, we preached our first revival, first revival here in Illinois, in Carlisle, Illinois. Amen. It was after a time that I had a kind of kind of step back from ministry. I was still in Bible school. I was too busy. I was prayer director. I was outreach director. Amen. But I'll never forget that first revival. My wife's pastor, Brother Urshan, he said, Ethan, our organization, they will eat up young preachers that are using the gifts of the Spirit. He said, you just preach the word. Don't try to get out there and do anything. Just preach the word. And so when I went to that revival, 
Amen. I just simply preached the word of the Lord. I had been in a revival prior to that before I had started on the field full time. And the year prior, the Lord used me in a way. And, and uh, I give glory to God. But then that next year after Brother Urshan said, you just, you just preach the word. Service after service. The pastors are not there right now. They're moved on. But I never forget, the pastor's wife was upset. And I'm kind of being too honest here right now, being too transparent. That's probably my problem. But I never forget, the pastor's wife was upset. And the pastor was upset that I did not, quote, unquote, operate in the gifts of the Spirit. And I'll never forget going back to the motel room. My wife and I just newlyweds. And I remember, amen, hearing the pastor's wife like it was like I, I, word from word, hearing everything. And so I just got up. I told my wife, I'm just going to simply obey my, our pastor, Brother Urshan, and I'm just going to simply preach the word of the Lord Sunday morning. And I'll never forget the Lord gave me a message about the blood. Amen. I just simply preached about the blood of Jesus Christ that Sunday morning. And while I was in the midst of my message, a man came walking down the aisle. Amen. He came down to that altar, got on his knees and began to repent. Amen. And God touched him and he filled him with the Holy Ghost. Amen. I was reminded right then and right there. It's not about calling somebody out. It's not about telling you, amen, that you're about to win uh, uh, such and such or God's going to heal you or he's going to deliver you from that or he's going to heal you from that. It's not about the specific things that the Lord will reveal, but it's about somebody coming to an altar of repentance. It's about somebody experiencing a changed life. It profoundly changed me, amen, that first revival, amen, when I just simply preached about the blood of Jesus, that man came walking down to that altar. I realized from then on, amen, the gifts are just the power tools to help us, amen, to spread the gospel, to edify the body of Christ. But when we ever get distracted from what it's all about, about making disciples and seeing people say that we're going to miss the mark. But ladies and gentlemen, I come to tell somebody here today as we stand all over this place that when God calls you to repentance, it's not because he's looking at your mistakes. Can we stand all over this house? I'm not going to call anybody out. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm not a prophet. Praise God. Don't be afraid. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Amen. I was preaching somewhere between north, south, east, and rest, and Amen. I came down when my, my, back in my old days. I used to take my jacket off, and I used to get down, and I used to walk around. And, and the pastor said, Brother Hagan, the former pastor was so used of God that when he came down from the platform, everybody knew, oh, he's about to sh tell what we were doing last night. <laughs> I said, well, I'm not like that. He's a great man of God. Don't worry. Praise God. But I come to tell somebody, when God calls you to repentance, it's not because he's looking at your past mistakes. It's not because he's judging you. He's condemning you. But it's because he's calling you to a closer relationship with him. It's because he has something great in store for you. He wants to restore something in your life. The Bible tells us that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. The Lord wants somebody to have an Ebenezer testimony. He wants you to be able to have a testimony that this, the Lord has brought me this far. Can I remind Apostolic Church that after all these years, here you are today. Most of us, if not all of us, should not be here. But because of the goodness and the grace and the mercy of Almighty God, here we are still today. It's up to this point that the Lord has led us. It's not because of your education. It's not because of your pedigree. It's not because of your prestige. It's not because of how much money you have. But it's because the Lord has been an Ebenezer to us. Hitherto, the Lord has helped us. If it wasn't for the Lord on my side, if it wasn't for the Lord on our side, where will we be? Amen. All over this house, can we lift up our hands towards heaven?
Can somebody just begin to return things? Amen. Do what you feel. If you feel like coming to this altar, if you feel like coming to the front, if God is calling you, somebody just respond to what you feel here today. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your word, Lord, that reminds us that you have brought us to this point. You have helped us thus far. And Lord, if you have led us here, if you have brought us to this place of victory, if you have helped us, amen, heretofore, then you're going to continue to help us into the future. So Lord, we give you praise, Lord, for what you've done in our past. We give you praise right now in our present. But we also give you praise, O oh Lord God, in our future. 